Well, it's good to see you all this morning. It's uh, been a, a fun week for me. I was actually reflecting, and on the 12th of this week, Adrian and I were like, hey, I think this is pretty close to our two-year anniversary at ABF. So two years here at ABF, so it's been a great couple of years. We've uh, genuinely enjoyed uh, our time here and have really felt welcomed and loved, so thank you for that. Well, I wanted to dive in this morning as we're continuing and actually concluding our series in the book of Proverbs. And we've tried not necessarily to work through every uh, chapter, but really hit on the big themes. And this morning, as Erica um, mentioned, we're talking about our words and our choice of words and how we use our, our tongue. And as much as many of the weeks prior to this, it's another convicting uh, topic, or at least for me as I'm unpacking it. But I was thinking about it as it relates to the, the title this morning, Death and Life. Wondering if this statement, if you've ever used it before talking about somebody else, trust me, they know what they're talking about. Have you ever used that before, talking about somebody else? Uh, usually based on somebody's experience and what they've done before. My grandfather, who's uh, passed to be with the Lord, but he, for 48 years, it was the only job that he had worked at a hospital as the director of maintenance. So for 48 years, his very first job and his very last job, worked at that. And this man could fix anything. Like there wasn't anything you could put before him. He could solve anything. He was so good at his hands, whether it was wood or mechanical. And I remember even in his later years, he was, we had uh, moved into a new house in Chicago and my grandfather had actually lost his sight in one of his eyes from cataracts, not being caught early enough. And actually with one eye, and even though one eye was failing, do that for a second with me, one eye failing, he still said, you know what? I'd like to remodel your basement. Or like... <laughs> I guess if you'd like to. And, and so he, t he took it on. And because you know why? Because nobody would question you. You'd say, trust me, he knows what he's doing. Because why? He had so many years of experience. He could do it with literally one eye open, like could, re re could remodel our basement. And thinking about that, as it relates to Solomon in this topic this morning, he wasn't just known as the most wise person of all time. He also had experience to back it up. So when he's talking about the power of the tongue and the power within it, you could say, trust me, he knows what he's talking about. You think about who Solomon was. He was the second son of King David. Who can tell me who his mom was? His mom was Bathsheba, so second son. So growing up, knowing that your mom's former husband had been murdered because your current dad had sent a letter to put him out on the battlefield first to take him out of the equation. You're like, whoa, that's how you learn that there's some power in words, right? Now then, if you take it a little bit further as he's growing up, Solomon, his half-brother, his half-brother was Absalom. Do you know what happened with Absalom? Absalom was a self-proclaimed himself king and then opposed his father David. So, so he's watching this, Solomon's watching this as he's growing up. Absalom ended up accident, accidentally hanging himself by his hair, which is one of the reasons I avoid it. Is, uh, <laughs> and, and 
And, and, and so he's watching, he's saying like, man, this guy, this my brother self-proclaimed king and ended up dying in this revolt against David. What's, what's going on? Then as a, an adult, Solomon, his highest ranked official, Jeroboam, or one of his key officials, if you will, decided to oppose him and stir up a conspiracy in the region against him because he was told that he would eventually become king. And so he saw it firsthand as an adult, firsthand in his youth, knew about it stories from it within his family. So you could literally say, trust me, he knows what he's talking about when he pens these words. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Look at that on the screen there. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You say that, you, you read that and you're like, well, isn't that a little bit exaggerated? Really? Death in the power of the tongue? Like or that, that, is, that, that was maybe a more primitive time, but in our current culture, not so much. But really think about how much pain, suffering, and even dramatic death has come because of misused words. I was reading this week about Karen Carpenter. You re might remember her as a popular singer in the, in the 70s. And she actually died in 1983 due to heart failure. Most people realize the reason that she died from heart failure at such a, a young age was because of her battle with anorexia. Do you remember this? It was a big deal. Some years back, they did a documentary. And it was interesting in this documentary on her life, what it pointed to as the reason she started this fatal obsession with her weight was because a reviewer called her Richard's chubby sister. A reviewer called her Richard's chubby sister. Probably just said it in jest, you know, but, but that is what they point to as the spiral that started the cycle of anorexia that then ultimately led to her death. You think about it, our words have some serious impact. There's a lot at stake with the things that we say. Can we all agree to that? So this morning, this isn't just a, a topic that's like, oh, maybe it's relevant. In fact, Proverbs 12, 18 says, a rash words are like sword thrusts. Rash words are like sword thrusts. It's relevant today. Because if we're honest in this room, most likely every one of us can bring to mind some things that were said from maybe a parent, somebody close to us, somebody that we loved, somebody that we barely knew, but all of us can typically point to a few scars that you're like, I've picked this up along the way. I've got this one. I've got this one. I was trying to think back even in my life, just different things. And there's a lot of things that have been words of, of healing and life. But then a lot of times that you point back and you're like, yeah, that was a real zinger. That hurt. Can you guys think of some that come to mind even in your own life? I was thinking when I was in college, I was dating a, a young lady, and, uh, and this was pre-Adrian, uh, P-A, uh, but, uh, <laughs> but I was dating this young lady, and I remember overhearing the young lady's mom talking about me, and you know how your ears kind of perk up when you hear somebody talking about you? You're like, I wonder what she has to say. She's describing to her friend, she's like, yeah, he seems really nice. He's not very good looking, though. I was like, ouch, that was back when I had hair, you know, like that was, it's only digressed. And you, you think about some of those, th you think about some of those things. And I heard somebody after the service say, hey, I heard the old lady down the aisle for me said, I think he's pretty cute. So that kind of rebuilt that. So, uh, so, so, but you think about some of the things that, and we say those things kind of joking around, but some of the things that we say that stick with us, I mean, that's 20 plus years later, right? 20 years later, like who cares what somebody's mom thought about how handsome or not handsome. But the truth is those things hurt. 
Our words have power in them. They have the potential for death and the potential for life. Let me pray before we dive in. God, I thank you so much for this opportunity to hit the pause button so often in this series we've had a chance to do that, to do some genuine assessment, really a crossroads like any time we're hearing truth. It's a crossroads of what we're going to do with that, what we're going to choose, how we're going to choose to proceed, or we're going to continue just as is, or maybe even allow this to be a Sunday, that there's a redirection of the way our words are used, or maybe an affirmation of the way our words are used. Either one, God, we ask you to be present and moving in this room for you to speak where you need to speak directly to our hearts. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen. Really thinking about this topic, and really there's two sides to that based on that verse, words that bring death and words that bring life. So it's a pretty simple service, if you will, as far as topics. The first one, you think about the death, and I mentioned the story of Karen Carpenter, but if you take it even further just from a, a global perspective, think how much has come from words misspoken or leaders in the wrong place directing people the wrong way from the Holocaust to, to genocide in Africa to like so many wars and things that have come because of words spoken. There's definitely, you can make a strong case for that idea of death coming. Even if you think about the growing ISIS dilemma that we have with participation, uh, you're like, really? How's that growing? How's that increasing because of propaganda attached to it? And so you think about how much death has come from a global perspective, but primarily this morning, we're going to try to take it a little bit more personal, and maybe you're not actually killing people with your words. We're going to look a little bit more purposefully at death of reputations, death of careers, death of friendships, death of marriages, families, even churches that come from misspoken words. And not just misspoken words, because I think in today's culture, we'd be really missing out if we didn't also include the written or the typed word, right? The, that, that, that come out, whether it's a blog, whether it's a text, whether it's an email, there's so much danger in the written word as well. Think how many times you're like, oh, I wish I could pull back that email, or I wish I wouldn't have said that. You can't hit the rewind button. We can cause damage so quickly it can sneak up on us. I think about how quickly somebody, even in this service, think about this for a second. If, if Doug Flagg chose to right now, hopefully he's not going to, stand and tease me for my shirt that makes me look like an Easter egg, I've been told. Like what, what, if, what, what, what if he chose to do that? Now granted, we'd, we'd have the ushers drag him out of here and flog him in the courtyard. But, uh, but, uh, but think about it the whole service would be derailed. You wouldn't be thinking about my words up here. You'd be thinking about Crazy Doug and his Easter comments, right? You think about what's so dangerous constantly, the potential that we can cause with our tongues, the danger, the death that's at the tip of our tongues. We can fall into that so quickly. I've been in this uh, project here, as you know, working with the refresh. And, and one of the things that's left to do is we're resurfacing the, the pavement out there because by ADA compliance, we have to have the right parking spaces and all this crazy stuff. But I remember just this a couple weeks ago meeting with this parking lot guy that had done the, the resurfacing last time. And I wasn't real happy with how things had turned out. I ended up get, finding myself in a debate with this guy over what caused the damage, what not. And I was like, after the conversation, I'm like, what am I doing? Like, 
a pastor, not a contractor. You know what I mean? Like, what, why am I arguing over asphalt? And, and I, won't, uh, I won't use the synonym of the word that I was making myself there. Where did this go? Why did this take a, such a dark turn? You think how quickly our words, any of you get sucked into that? Or is it just me that gets pulled into that? In just a few moments, you can lose your testimony with your words that, are, that can be, if you think about it, our words can actually be a mouthpiece for the enemy. If it's a scary biblical truth, in fact, Matthew 16, 23, there's this interaction that you might remember with Peter and Jesus, where Jesus is explaining him to him what's to come. I'm gonna, I'm gonna die and be resurrected on your behalf so that we can, we can have forgiveness of sins. And what does Peter do? do? He argues with him and he says, no, that's not gonna happen. Do you remember what Jesus said to, to push down what Peter was saying? Do you remember his words to him? He says, get thee behind me, Satan. Those are pretty intense words for somebody to say to a, to a friend because the truth is, it's a biblical truth, is that our words, if we're not careful, if we're doing it in the flesh, can be used by the enemy. We can be a spokesman. Isn't that crazy to think about? Of the enemy, that's what Jesus was pointing to. Peter, you're being used by Satan for the words that you're choosing to use right now. That's why it's so important that we're running them through the filter of scripture, of scripture that we're not acting and speaking in the flesh. When we first accepted Christ, you can think back to the excitement of that time for a lot of us in our story. It came to a crossroads where we were going to kind of keep doing our own thing or we're going to allow uh, the Lord to be the appropriate place in our life as Lord and leader. And we had that point of bending a knee and saying, all right, God, I'm turning it over to you. But you think about it, it wasn't like one of the drug commercials with the fine print. Like it was, it, there was no fine print that says, I'm turning it over to you except for my tongue, right? Do you remember saying that in your, in your prayer to embrace Jesus Christ? Usually not. But so often we say, all right, we're gonna give everything except for that. I'm gonna bring that back to use for a little bit of gossip, a little bit of sarcasm, a few jabbing statements with my wife. No, it doesn't work like that. One of the speakers I enjoy because he has great illustrations is Francis Chan. He brought up the illustration of a, of a toothbrush. And you think about that since I picked on Doug already. I'm going to give this to you, Doug, as a gift. There's a gift. You enjoy that toothbrush, all right? You think about that, uh, that toothbrush. <laughs> yeah, I'm not trying to say anything. Um, but here, think about that for a second. Now, Doug, if you had that toothbrush for a few weeks... And I said to you, you know what? We have so many visitors coming to our house. I could really use that back. Don't worry, Doug. I'll give it back to you after my friends leave. How would you feel about that? Not too open to that idea, right? Because of course you wouldn't take something and let someone else use it and then bring it back. That would be disgusting. The same idea... Stay with me here. The same idea here with our mouths. We can't say, all right, I'm submitted. I'm giving this all to you, Lord. It's all yours. And say, but I'm going to take it back just for my use here. I'm going to take it back for my use here. I'm going to let the enemy use it here. I'm going to let him use it there. It's not the way it should be. That's why in James, we're told uh, out of the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. And it says it shouldn't be like that. It can't be like that. But that's what we so often do. So I want to just point to a few cautionary things that we have a tendency to bring it back to use it for. I, I hinted at them just a few moments ago. One of the first, and these are common speak, but one of the first things that I think we have a tendency to bring it back and use our tongues for 
is through gossip. Gossip's a huge deal. It's something that starts at a really young age. In fact, I was reading a story this, this week about a, a woman in Florida who was visiting her neighbor. While there, her five-year-old son, Andrew, pulled out his kindergarten class picture, began describing each classmate. This is Robert. He hits everyone. This is Stephen. He never listens to the teacher. This is Mark. He chases us and is very noisy. Then pointing to his own picture, Andrew commented, and this is me. I'm just sitting here minding my own business. <laughs> you think about that. It's true with kids, but isn't that true with adults as well? Just sitting back assessing everyone. Just watching. Yep, that's what they do. Yep, that's what they do. Fully comfortable talking about it. Fully open to sharing it with somebody close to you. And we've become a little bit better as we've become adults at masking that, right? We've, we've used some different church, churchies language. Do you realize that we have our own language in church world? Some of the things that we use for under gossip is, you know what? I'm just venting a little bit. I'm just venting. Or I'm really concerned about. These are dangerous words when you hear those starting to say. Or, or how about this? Did you hear? Or even scarier, we should pray for. And they Not that that can't always be used in a healthy way. But how about this one? Just between you and me. Whenever somebody's starting to say that, it's probably time to run. Or how about this? Stop me if I'm wrong. Or my personal favorite, I don't mean to gossip, but, and they keep going. You know, like that's, th these are all things that are dangerous within our, our culture, even within our body. We have to be so careful of slipping down that road of speaking about others. Man, we got enough to worry about ourselves. Any amens to that? Like worrying about ourselves. Don't worry about talking about other people's stuff, not being like the kid Andrew in the classroom. You think, if you think about it, people and God are connected. And so when you're taking a personal attack on somebody, if you think about it, if they're a Christ follower, what does the Bible teach about a Christ follower? They're a temple of the Holy Spirit. So really, you want to you make a, an attack on the temple of the Holy Spirit, that person? Like really, you sure you want to do that with Almighty God? Like you're going to attack his temple? Or even take it a step further, like anybody, somebody that's in Christ or somebody that hasn't embraced Christ yet. Really, you want to you attack somebody that's created in the image of God? That's what scripture teaches. Think about it. There's a link between the two, and that's why God takes it so personal when we are talking or tearing down someone else. So gossip's a huge one and commonplace. Another one that's pretty often, this one's convicting, is sarcasm, Right? How many things fall under the umbrella of sarcasm or in humor? Hey, I'm just having fun with this and, and just, just joking around. Why do you have to be so sensitive? You know, like you, you think about the, the statement that you grew up hearing, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me. Like, how, what a lie, right? Bones heal, right? Like sticks and stones, like they, 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 you might recover from that, but words actually do hurt us. And sarcasm, actually, what is it doing? It's lifting, elevating yourself up and pushing that person down, like making them feel like they're lower than you. Sarcasm's a dangerous thing, and it sneaks into many, uh, too often, our common uh, communication. So you think about gossip, you think about sarcasm. Here's maybe one that you haven't thought about or we don't think about too often. How about flattery? How about flattery? Gossip is saying something behind someone's back you would never say to their face, right? Think about flattery. Flattery is saying something to someone's face 
that you would never say behind their back. Have you heard that before? <laughs> Flattery is saying something to their face that you would never say behind their back because that's not really the heart of how you feel about that person. In a, in a culture that's obsessed with people pleasing and, and using people as, as ladders and as a potential for moving up, that's a common place to sneak into and becoming words that can bring death. It's really a form of lying flattery if you think about it. So flattery. Last one, I couldn't think of a, a, a snappy title for it, so I just put what we'd all recognize, button pushing, button pushing. I watch this often with my kids and I'll get frustrated with them where you see them, they're just, they're clearly pushing a, a, a button and they know they're gonna get a response. But then I pause and I think about it and how often I come to a mental crossroads where I know with Adrian, if I say more right now, it's not gonna go well. And what do you do? Any, any other uh, spouses attest to this? But you just keep on plowing forward. You keep on going with it. You're like, you, that, you came to that crossroads and you kept on trucking. You know, like that's the truth of how the, the button pushing is. You know what's gonna fire. And really, if you think, if you break that down, how messed up it is, that you're actually feeding off of the negative responses of someone that you love and care about. That's dark. That's dark. Like that's, that, that, there's a problem with that. Button pushing is a big deal. Matthew 12, 36 warns us. It says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified and by your words, you will be condemned. This is a serious thing. Our, our choice of words can bring life and can bring death. So that's just a partial list, and I'm sure you could fill, add to my list of four with additional ones. We obviously can't unpack all of those or all we'd uh, feel really guilty. But let's talk a little bit about words that bring life, the opposite side of it. It's encouraging to me that not only can death come from our words, but also life too. But you think about Proverbs 15, 4 describes our tongue as the tree of life. It can bring life to somebody. Proverbs 10, 20 describes it as our words being choice silver. Or verse 21, lips that feed many. Or brings forth wisdom in verse 31, 32. That knows what's acceptable and not acceptable to say. There's a lot that can come from our tongues, even the potential to reconcile others. There's so much power, so much potential for good. I was, when growing up, my, my love has been basketball for all these years. And getting out of college, I, I played with a group of guys early in the morning at Willow Creek Community Church. It's interesting the things that come out of your mouth in the midst of competition. Any other former athletes or present athletes? I'm moving towards the former athlete aspect uh, of life. But, uh, but, but think about that. How many things have been said? I remember in particular this group that I played basketball with. There's this one guy, and I'm not going to mention his name. There's, there's this one guy that, man, we just butted heads almost every single time on the court. This guy drove me crazy. I just every, we'd argue fouls, we'd talk trash. Like, it, 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 was, it was getting pretty ugly. This was, this was uh, a long time ago, so uh, there's been some healing there. Um, but clearly, I'm still talking about it. Uh, but... Um, <laughs> But what happened is the director of sports ministry at the church there saw this as a growing problem. And he said, hey, why don't the three of us sit down and talk about it? I'm like, oh, I don't want to talk to this guy. I'm not talking. But you know, it was cool because I sat down. 
He kind of facilitated the conversation, let us each talk, express our grievances. As we started to share and talk about it, I started to see a little bit more from his perspective, a little bit more. And, uh, and, and gradually, by the end of it, we kind of worked through it. We kind of made peace with each other. We, we later become, became somewhat friends on the court, like actually liking each other. It's interesting how what, that all came down to what? Words. Somebody interceding on our behalf. That's why we're told in Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. That's one of the potential areas of impact of bringing life from our words. Can also bring hope to the hopeless. You think about some of the things that were descriptors of Jesus Christ. I love when the disciples uh, were assessing whether or not they're gonna keep following him and they came to the conclusions, but wait, he has words that brings eternal life. Isn't that cool to think about? You have words that have the potential to redirect somebody's eternity, really? Uh, you can do that with words? Where I blew it with the pavement guy, I, I had some fruitful conversation this week, uh, so you don't think your pastor's a total bum. Uh, I had some good conversations this last week, the guys that were kind of working out here on the, the fountain area there, uh, the dugout, and they were talking to me. It was an interesting conversation. They came to me and they said to the, one of them said, hey, are you, a, are you a televangelist that I've seen on TV? And I'm like, no, but my sermons are on our website. No, no, but... Uh, but I was talking and we we're, were chatting. I was like, no, definitely not. And he's like, because I thought you were one of those guys that teaches, I think, isn't it the same thing that Tom Cruise is into, Scientology? I'm like, no, no, no. Me and Tom are on opposite ends of the spectrum there. I'm not fo following a fiction writer, L. Ron Hubbard. But um, so anyway, so we had this conversation and we're, we're, we're talking and I got to explain. I was like, you know what? We, we, and I was explaining to him, I was like, we really believe that our life comes down to one big decision, whether or not we're going to embrace what Jesus Christ did on the cross to either accept it or reject it. And he's like, yeah, that makes sense. And, and, I, and so we were talking, we had a great conversation and just thinking that those words, if he actually embraced the truth that I was presenting, could change his life, could change his life in the present, could change his eternity, is power in our words. Powerful, the potential for life. Words of eternal life. Our words can also restore relationships, mend marriages, encourage the brokenhearted, motivate, motivate the apathetic, provide fit vision for those lacking. There's power for life in our words. The encouraging thing I think about words too is even if you have a history of misusing your words, there's always the potential to turn things around. That's the awesome thing about our, our words is every day is kind of a, a fresh start, a chance to turn that bus around, if you will. I, one of my favorite actors many years back, maybe this is too much information, Chris Farley, loved that guy, like cracked me up. Remember one scene in a movie, he's driving this bus and he's getting mad at the kids and he's like, listen, I'm gonna turn this bus around. And, uh, and I don't know how that relates other than the point of idea <laughs> related to us having the potential every day to say, all right, this is the day I'm going to turn this bus around. I'm going to use my words for, for healing, for, for, for in encouraging, for investing in people, for building them up to, to be that, that, that moisture in a parched world, people looking for hope. A couple practical things if you think about it. Anytime we're related to words, probably the most practical advice that you can give somebody. How about this one? Think first before speaking. 
That's probably the most practical. I know it's super simple and super basic, but think how many hardships could have been avoided in your life if you would have actually thought through the ramifications of your words. Think first. Okay, that's, that's, I know it's not rocket scientists, but you think about it. If you started asking the question, are these words going to bring death or life? How that would drastically change so many things, so many interactions, so many marriages, so many relationships, just stopping and thinking before you speak. There's so many times in Proverbs, Proverbs 10, 19, 11, 12, 13, 3, all these things where we're told to hold our tongue. I like this quote. If you speak when you're angry, you'll give the best speech you'll ever regret. I like that. When you speak when you're angry, you'll give the best speech you'll ever regret. We get really eloquent when we're angry. But in Proverbs, we're told to caution, to hold our tongues. Proverbs 17, 27, this gives hopes for for all of us. It says, a fool is thought wise if silent. Like, hey, that's, that's encouraging. A fool is thought wise if silent. E- even, even the fool has hope in silence. But that's not saying, but don't hear me here saying that, okay, let's just all choose to just, I'm done. No more talking. Because, because that robs the potential for impacting others. Silence isn't the answer. I was reading a story of a, a gentleman that joined a, a monastery and he took a vow of silence. For three years, he, is, uh, he wasn't permitted to speak, except at the end of every year, he was allowed to say two words. At the end of his first year, his two words were, bed hard. <laughs> end of year two, his two words were, food cold. End of third year, he goes in and he had had it. His, his, his two words, you can guess what they are. I quit. And the head of the monastery says to him, that doesn't surprise me. All you've done since you got here has been complaining. (laughs) You you think about it, just a few, just by limiting our words doesn't necessarily solve it, but actually making the choice to say, I'm going to use my words for healing has the potential to do good, considering others' needs, needs for encouragement, affirmation, appreciation. What do we choose to do with it? Proverbs 3.27 says, don't withhold good from those to whom it is due. Isn't that a great statement? Don't withhold good from those that's due. Somebody that, that needs it, somebody that could use it. The potential is great. Brings adventure and purpose to our interactions. Thinking, even going into your workday and your routine, all the things that you're doing, like, hey, how can I bring life to this today? How can I bring life through my words? How can my, my words really encourage somebody? How can they build things up? How can it redirect maybe the tone in your office or your workplace? How could that change? How can I bring life with my words? What an awesome question. Can you imagine if each one of us in this church was known as like, man, that's just a life-speaking church. Wherever they show up, man, they are bringing life to the environment. But the truth is, This isn't something that you can just resolve to say, all right, I'm going to work harder on this. I'm going to try really hard. I'm going to stop saying the bad stuff and I'm going to say the good stuff in my own strength, right? That doesn't, it doesn't work like that. So the second and last thing that I wanted to point to is just a practical takeaway. One is stop before you speak. But the second one is to check your heart, to check your heart. 
My kids, I've noticed we just had a little get together with some kids in the community yesterday and the adults are sitting under the awning by the pool in the community pool. We're in a townhome community and all the kids kept coming. It was like, it was like clockwork. Like every five minutes, the next kid's coming up to tell on the, the other kid. This kid did that. This kid, and we're like, yeah, yeah, yada, 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 tattletale, tattletale. Like that drives you, great parents, right? Uh, but, but it drives you crazy after a while. But if you think about it, our words are tattletale for our heart. They actually tell on it. They tell what's going on because what is happening in our heart, what's going on internally has this tendency, right? To sneak its way out. When we're not in, a, in the right relationship with Christ, when we're not in a place where we're in a healthy spot, what happens? It starts to ooze out. Think back, even in your own life and routine, the times that you've done things that you re- regret or things you've spoken. Was that a time where you could point to, man, that's when my relationship with Christ was awesome and it was vibrant and I was on fire for him. And, and then I said these terrible things. No, it doesn't work like that. It works when our heart isn't in the right place, when we're not in a place where it's healthy, the unhealthy stuff bubbles out, doesn't it? And so the heart check is a key thing. It's an important part of our routine. And I would have proposed, I was even talking to someone in between services about like, man, but I'm just going 90 miles an hour. Like I'm constantly, how do you do heart checks in the middle of that? I would even propose of just looking for little windows in your day, whether it's on your lunch break. Hey, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go sit in the cafeteria. I'm gonna just take a little walk and just kind of talk with the Lord, see where things are at, what's, what's going on, how's our relationship, my drive-in, my commute-in. Maybe I'm just gonna turn off the radio, just reconnect with him for a few minutes. What if we started using, okay, I'm gonna go to bed a little bit earlier so I'm not dead in the morning so the quiet time doesn't get thrown on the sidelines. You think about it, how many things just practically with our even limited margins you can do to connect with God? to reestablish that relationship, to foster that relationship. It's not necessarily always about like, oh, I have four hours devotion, but maximizing the times that we do have in our day, the little windows to check your heart. I'd propose that's one of the things that we can do that directly impacts whether our words are bringing death or bringing life. You think about how, how, what a life could look like that's fully submitted to the Lord, the Holy Spirit's speaking through you. It's no longer your tongue. He's, it, you're, you're just a spokespiece for him. I wanna conclude just with this Psalms 141.3 and join David in this prayer where he says this. He says, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. That's my prayer for us. God, I thank you so much for this chance to be together and even to pause a little bit in our weeks and the chaos and the craziness and all the things we're juggling, just to assess our words. Such an easy thing to allow to slip. It really stems out of the heart. God, I pray that you just do a work on this, that this might even be a a morning of resolve. Man, I I, want to turn this bus around. I want to use it. I want to use my tongue for your glory. My limited window here, God, I want it for your glory and your honor. You can only do that in your power and your strength. That's why we bring this before you now. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Convicting topic today. My hope is just one practical little thing to take with you this week so it doesn't become just another message you heard. What if over lunch today, 
whoever you're with, somebody that means something to you. What if you took a minute just to tell them how great you think they are? How about that? Does that sound good? All right, have a wonderful week in the Lord. God bless you.